Hi, welcome to Adulthood Pending Podcast. I'm Brittany. I'm Annalise. And I'm Kimmy. We are a podcast for college students, recent graduates, or anyone else who is also figuring out that being an adult isn't as simple as it's made out to be. Join us each episode as we share how we are navigating our careers, post-grad lives, and the whole adulting experience. joined by Raina Patel, an entertainment law fellow at Loyola Law School, author, playwright, and screenwriter. Raina is another Scripps alumna who graduated in 2019 with a degree in English and creative writing. She's currently in the process of publishing her debut novel, Here We Stand, a modern fantasy novel loosely based on the Greek myth of Orpheus and Eurydice, with influences from her own culture as a South Asian woman from an immigrant family. We're really excited to bring her on to talk about her book, passion projects, and her incredible adulthood journey in both the law and the writing sphere. So welcome, Raina, and thanks for joining us. Thank you, guys. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you. To start off, where are you in your adulthood journey? Um, yeah, I don't fucking know, you guys. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like half of me is like, oh, yeah, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be right now. Mm. And the other part of me is like, I have no idea what the fuck is going on. Um, Like, I'm just trying to do things one day at a time. And I think every day I feel like I'm learning something new about myself and about, like, the publishing process or law school or, like, just what it means to call someone and out of the blue and be like, hey, can you do this thing for me? Like, sorry, I've never spoken to you in my life, but but I need I need this thing done. so I don't I don't know, you guys. It's been I think I'm okay. I, I, I think I, I think I'm I think I'm at a place where I'm like I kinda know what's going on, but yeah, I honestly I feel like that changes every day. Sometimes some days I wake up and I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't I don't know. We'll see what happens today. <laughs> yep. Same I mean here. the fact that you feel fifty fifty or something with some sort of percentage is pretty good, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> So we're going to start off with another fun question. And on the note of passion projects, we just want to ask, what's a hobby that you've been meaning to pick up? Oh, that I've been meaning to pick up. Um, Through middle school and high school, I was in choir. Mm. And then I did it for one semester at Scripps. And (laughs) then was like, oh, I have no time for this. Mm -hmm. And that kind of became something that I, like, it just kind of, was a thing in the back burner like I remember in high school I feel like your Instagram bio caption was had to like represent you in some way (laughs) Mm -hmm. and for me I had written that I was a writer singer theater lover and like blah 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 and then I got to college and I was like I'm not singing anymore so maybe I should take that out (laughs) Um, so I I did I think I don't know I could I can check my Instagram later but yeah, I feel like I, I kind of want to get back into that. Um, I don't know any instruments. I I never had, the, like, I tried learning piano. My parents weren't the type of people to be like, you have to learn an instrument. Mm-hmm. Um, they were just like, get A's and, <laughs> and, and, and don't do anything else. Um, so I would just get A's sometimes. And uh, sometimes. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was, it was great until I got to, to college. Um, but uh but yes, yeah, so I would just get A's and read, and that was my life growing oh. up. Um, because no one forced me to do anything else. So I was just like, yeah, I'll just. But I wasn't allowed to like go play with other kids on my street. So I was just like, yeah, I'll just read books after school because homework took like twenty minutes in third grade. Mm-hmm. Um, the good old days. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, so I, I kind of want to maybe pick up an instrument um oh. i feel like guitar would be really fun like i want to be that be that basic person like learn how to play guitar mm-hmm. <laughs> i tried learning how to play piano it's i can't get my fingers to do different <laughs> things at the same time but but yeah i would say i would say that and maybe uh get in just like sing for fun and post it without it being something like I don't know. It doesn't have to be super edited or fancy. I don't want to be a YouTuber. I just want to like be like, oh, this is the thing. That, this is the thing that I did. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, hey, go for it. I feel like I feel like we. Uh, I feel like that that that's a fun. That's a fun hobby. Well, I wanted to. I wanted to be a YouTuber. Yeah, is that your like, hobby? No, I wanted to be a YouTuber like. 
peak 2008, you know, 2009, when it. everyone was on it. We're not going to go could, there. You totally could. We're not going <laughs> to go on my You missed the waves. Yeah. But yeah, that was, I think growing up, that was like my dream to be a YouTuber, especially with like all mm-hmm. the vloggers coming out on the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think lately, totally different, but lately I think a hobby that I've been meaning to pick up is embroidering. <laughs> <laughs> not really That's you know really cool. youtubing but yeah i think it's, it's like fun you know the ones with like the circle mm-hmm. that people do mm-hmm. and then they just like yeah yeah stitch yeah. stuff that seems yeah. very soothing so mm-hmm. kind of, along the pride and prejudice-esque sphere my hobby i always <laughs> wanted to pick up is ballroom dancing <laughs> really yeah that's like the oh first thing i want to do once like everything opens up because i just want to like have that skill if i ever find myself at a cotillion like i just want to like <laughs> know what to do you know how I often like, do you get invited mm-hmm. to cotillions um not often but you know like maybe like i'll send my school my kid to like some boarding school and then just get a few invites then and then i'll know what to do oh my gosh so you're gonna prepare 20 years in advance oh my god as someone who went to a boarding high school nothing fancy ever happens like that (laughs) okay well then i guess i need dream color i mean well okay i guess i guess if you went if you sent your kid to like one of those old east coast yeah i'm thinking east coast boarding schools okay okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i went i went to boarding school in california so we didn't have any of those fancy things yeah definitely like east coast um northeast i think east coast like in the fall is it Mm -hmm. is it a year thing like, does oh. it happen at a certain time of year? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I think so. I think it's a spring thing. The spring, oh. not fall. Just kidding. Yeah. Oh, like coming is of a age, thing. right? I don't know. Sure. I thought that was the debutante ball. I don't What's know. The <laughs> <laughs> I was never invited to these things. Neither well, was Brittany. <laughs> yeah, Rena will be my plus one. <laughs> we can go. <laughs> Kimmy, what's your um, hobby? Yeah, I was thinking about this. I think for me, it's like learning a language. Um, Mm. Recently, we've actually been learning Cantonese with my grandma. So that's been fun. Like, and doing that, I've realized, wow, I really like learning languages. Like, I actually Mm. feel like it's very fun. So I definitely want to learn Spanish. And when I was watching K-dramas, I wanted to learn Korean. So those are still (laughs) on the horizon and probably get better at Mandarin because it's very weak, (laughs) if at all. <laughs> so, like, actually learning a language and learning it well enough to be or to travel to the country where they speak it, and like mm. being able to operate through the native language there. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's really ambitious. I commend you. Uh, it's a hobby. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hobby. <laughs> like four languages, no problem. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll see. So. Reina, as a fellow former pre-med English major, (laughs) would you like to kind of give your background of maybe your path to college, like what you think you wanted to do versus how it actually turned out? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, you are the only one out of the two of us that has actually stayed on the (laughs) English pre-med track, um, Mm -hmm. which I commend you on because, my God, that was that was hard. Um, But I so my mom's a doctor and it was never like spoken it was never like a thing that was like oh you have to be a doctor Mm -hmm. but it was kind of implicit in a way that was just like oh if you like reading these biology textbooks you should be a doctor Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and I didn't I didn't ever find it like uninteresting and I science was cool I mean science is cool it has not changed Mm -hmm. um but uh being when you when like I don't know I come coming from immigrant families where education is the route to success mm-hmm. and if you don't do well in every subject then then something is wrong so like uh like growing up all of my my teachers were like you could do anything because you're good at everything and I was like cool but I don't know what I like mm-hmm. yet like I like this and I like that and I'm I'm getting A's on all of these things because if I don't then I'm going to get like yelled at at home. Um, I think when I was in high school, I, so I guess to backtrack um, a little bit, I had an idea for 
my first book, which is not Here We Stand, um, when I was in sixth grade, I was reading Narnia at the time, and um, one of my classmates got stuck in the PE cupboard for 20 minutes. He oh. like went to go do something. <laughs> the teacher sent him somewhere, and he got locked in. 20 minutes until someone heard him like banging oh, on the door oh my to let him out and i like he comes back and he's like i got stuck and you know we're all like 12 years old so we all start laughing but in my brain having read narnia very mm. recently i was like what if he got stuck there and then he found a different way out oh. and then he just came back and no one ever noticed um so that turned into this book about a high school boy because because when you when you're like 12 years old you're like yes all good adventures happen when you're 16 yeah because that that <laughs> is when all spot. young adult novels um happen so like 16 years old something amazing has to happen so it's a 16 year old boy who got trapped in a tunnel and and like went through it and found himself in a magical land and i wrote that through through middle school and finished it a couple days before I started high school um and it it was it was like a legit book it was like 260 pages I was very proud of it oh my gosh Um, (laughs) yeah so so I was like so like I knew I wanted to write for I think starting from sixth grade I was like oh I really like Mm -hmm. I really like reading um I really like telling stories I'm good at it, I guess. People people like what I've what I've written. Mm-hmm. Um my my seventh grade English teacher was very instrumental in encouraging me with all of that. Um he uses this analogy that was like, I like I'm just the coach that gave Michael Jordan the ball. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> like I'm still in touch with him. And I told him, I was like, legit, I don't think I would be here without like the amount of support and time that you gave me in seventh grade. And he was like mm-hmm. You're, you're selling yourself too short. And I was like, okay, well, like you also need to take a little bit of credit for this. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, so I knew I wanted to write. And then in high school, I was kind of, that's kind of when like, I don't know, I don't know if your parents were like this, but my parents, I think when I was like 16, were kind of like, you need to figure out what you want to do. Cause when I was 16, I knew what I wanted mm. to do. Um, and it's like, yeah, when you were like, my mom, did everything in India. It's like when you were 16, 17, you were taking the exams to get into the schools that you needed to mm. do for your for your profession. So she kind of mm-hmm. had to know what she wanted to do. Mm. And then my dad had moved to the US when he was 14. And being an, an immigrant and being a teenager and knowing that, I guess like having that kind of pressure that like, mm-hmm. I have mm-hmm. to do really well to get to a point where my parents aren't worried about our financial standing Mm -hmm. so I'm sure like he faced a lot of probably a lot of internal pressure to uh to make that happen so he was like yeah I'm gonna do engineering um and my mom went went into medicine Mm -hmm. um and uh because they were both driven by the by the desire to be to be good at what they did and to make sure that they could live comfortably Mm -hmm. um and I don't I don't have that problem cuz cuz the, they already gave me all of that. So um, so I was I, I'm over here being like, well like what do I want? Mm. I, like I I have the ability to to and the privilege to to worry about that instead mm-hmm. of worrying about like okay, well like how am I going to make money? Right. Um mm-hmm. which is which is a huge thing. Uh and so in high school, one of my dad's college friends ended up becoming a psychiatrist and I had written this really weird story that I had based off of a nightmare about a woman who um, is able to control the corpses of those that she's killed. Oh, um, oh. Re- really interesting story. I really liked it. And I told it from the perspective of the woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then my dad's friend came to visit and he was like, oh, I heard I heard you write stories. Like, do you mind showing me one? And I was like, I'm ready to be psychoanalyzed. And so I <laughs> gave him that story. Um, and he and he read it. And uh, and then he, he looks up at me and says, I think you'd be a good psychiatrist. And I was mm-hmm. like, is that supposed to be a compliment? <laughs> because if it, if it is, thanks. If it, that's what that's what you got from this weird story <laughs> of the. Uh, of an old woman who who holds who harbors a really bad grudge against an ex lover and is is 
controlling corpses. Cool, cool, cool. Um, so I guess the idea kind of stuck with me because I researched into it and was like, oh, this is this is interesting. Um, I'm I'd like I, I've always wanted to to help people in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, and this it kind of seemed like it was a good way for me to keep my love of learning about people and stories and like and experiencing that with helping people and talking about uh, talking through things kind of like because I feel like therapy is kind of like story building mm-hmm. you're kind of trying to help help like a character along in a mm-hmm. way um I'm not a therapist so that's that's not like don't don't take that from me <laughs> as like a oh this is exactly how therapy works mm-hmm. but that was something I was always interested in and that drove me through high school and being like yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna do med school um mm-hmm. and I'm still gonna write I was always I was always like upset when people were like oh yeah you're just gonna write on the side right and I was mm-hmm. like no I like writing is is what I want to do um mm-hmm. but I have to get like a real job uh, mm-hmm. so so I was like yeah I'll just do medicine because I am good at science and I like it enough and I'll I'll do that and then I got to college and I was like it's fine, but like maybe I don't like it as much as I thought I did, or like maybe mm-hmm. like because like I think when you get to college and then you're you're not just doing like the basics of the Krebs cycle right. anymore. Mm-hmm. You're like you have to like go into it, um, mm-hmm. and it's not just bio; it's chemistry and it's organic chemistry, mm-hmm. and it's like and and then you and then you have to take physics for <laughs> for some godforsaken reason, <laughs> um, and. And it's it's all of these things that I was like, I'm not interested in this. Mm-hmm. I like biology and I like reading and I like psychology and I like I like literature and I like writing. Um, and I was I think I, at that point I was it was kind of like I could continue doing this and I could do it. I'd be fine. I would. Mm-hmm. And like I, I like people were like, you would make a great doctor. But it was it came to a point where I was like, would I be happy continuing to do science and then going to med school for four years and really having to dedicate myself to only learning science and getting really into the technicalities mm-hmm. and having mm-hmm. to learn all of that? And then spending another four years finally doing a residency in the thing that I right. was interested in yeah. and then being able to establish myself in a career. Um and then I had that turn and seeing my like my next eight years filled with things that I was not interested in mm-hmm. um, was not something that I wanted to do at that point. And I came to that realization fall semester of my senior year at Scripps. Oh, so, so you had plenty of time. <laughs> I had plenty of time. Yeah. Well, it was I mean, sophomore year, I was kind of I was taking organic chemistry and I li- I enjoyed it. I just um because there was no math in it I was like yes finally (laughs) (laughs) but uh I was getting to the point where I was like I'm not I don't think I'm happy and I think Mm. I'm Mm. like I'm looking forward to my English classes a lot and my science classes are things that I feel like I have to take Mm -hmm. um and so I so at Scripps I was like maybe instead of psychiatry I'll get a like apply for a phd program in psychology i'll like minor in psych Mm. and then like Mm. do do that Mm. um that didn't end up happening um but uh yeah i don't i don't know and then i think i had to like really figure out what drove me like i knew that i probably wouldn't be able to like have a job where it was just a job i needed to have some Mm. sort of passion involved in my career it Mm. might not it might not be like like obviously no one loves 100% of everything about their job mm-hmm. but i wanted to have a job where even if i wanted even if i could retire i wouldn't want to mm-hmm. mm. oh. like i would just enjoy doing it and be okay with the the bad parts because the good parts outweighed the bad mm-hmm. um that's a very tall order <laughs> to figure out as like a as someone in your early 20s um yeah, so I so I decided to uh, to not do medicine anymore. I had biochemistry left, and I think that that was the tipping point. I was like, <laughs> I've done all of this, um, and the, and then then I looked I looked at the biochem curriculum, and I was like, no, not today, <laughs> not ever. Sign. Um, yeah, uh, but but yeah, I, I think it, ultimately it was my stubbornness that was like, if you can do it, 
then why don't you? And it's mm. just like, it's, it's learning the, just because you can do it doesn't mean that you have to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, that was, I think, yeah, if I had to, if I had to tell anyone going into college where they felt like they had to like figure out their life and just be like, just because you can do it doesn't mean you should, you don't <laughs> have to. Um, that's, that was like the main lesson in college. And just because you feel like you can't do something doesn't mean that you can't. Mm-hmm. Like do do what you want. Don't don't worry about other things. Mm-hmm. So then, how did you get into studying entertainment law? So my junior year of college, um, for spring break, I went to D.C. to visit my cousin who was in law school at the time, mm-hmm. and she had a very interesting path after college. She was she studied materials engineering. As an, mm-hmm. as an undergrad and then was like, I don't want to be stuck in a lab for the rest of my life. And so she took a, she took a couple years off work or off, off school um, and was working uh, as a consultant for a little while. And then she, one of her projects was with a law firm with like a patent law firm that, and they put her on there because she had um, a materials engineering background mm-hmm. and she really liked it. So she applied to law school. And when I was visiting her she was in her last year she was in her last semester of law school and I like at that point I was like telling other people that I probably didn't want to do medicine but I hadn't Mm -hmm. told my parents yet Mm -hmm. um and my my cousin was like hey like if you want to stop by one of my like a couple of my classes um I like I can ask the professors if that you can just like sit in on them um, so I sat in on a privacy class, uh, which funnily enough is one of the electives I'm taking this semester, <laughs> but, uh, the, the class was like super dry. They were talking about HIPAA and I was just fascinated with the way they were talking about it. Cause it felt like I was in English class again. And mm-hmm. I was like, this, this I vibe with, I can, I can do this. Um, and I, I just like, for me, one of the things that I love about literature is when you can like really close read and get into the nitty gritty. Mm-hmm. I know some people hate it, um, but uh, some people are like, you know what? Sometimes blue just means it's blue. It doesn't mean anything <laughs> else. Um, but but it's really fun to just like go into things and try to figure out why someone chose that string of words like and what that particular phrase means and really getting into um, to all of that. And that. I, law a lot of the times is like having to manipulate language in a way that helps like like you you have you have a law but depending on what side you're on you have to kind of like you have to kind of make it work for you mm-hmm. and that was really interesting to just see how on a on a scholarly level how law is taught and how you can see all of these aspects of it and so, like, I was sitting there in class being like, oh, my God, this is so interesting. And it was, like, two hours, and I was like, yeah, gimme. I, 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 this is great. Um, and so that's when I was kind of like, maybe I could think about law. But I didn't really know what I wanted to do with law at that point. I was like, maybe I would want to, like, go into policy because, I like, at that point, I was still like, well, I want to help people. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. And not to say that I'm not still doing that, but, but at that point I had a very, I had a very like different idea about what helping people looked like. I thought it had to be very direct and it had Mm. to be like, like either as, as a doctor, you're directly treating someone and you can Mm -hmm. see that the effect that you have on them, um, firsthand. Right. And I was like, well, like, I don't know, maybe, maybe I would like to, to like write policy and stuff. Um, but also then the, the, the part of my brain that was like, but you have to make money, you have to be successful. Mm. Um, like the, the parts, the parts that you're, you're like, my parents were like, if you don't make a certain amount of money, then like, you're not going to, you're going to like be on the streets and you're not going mm-hmm. to live. And it's going like all, like all, I feel like it just like once immigrant parents have that level of success that they've attained, they don't want their kids to right. like move away from that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, so I didn't really know what law looked like for me at that point um and then after college I got a position as uh, as a legal secretary at a at a personal injury firm in uh Beverly Hills and I mean I, I like it was litigation is insane 
and I don't think I would ever want to do it um, because your your life is basically driven by court dates and deadlines. Mm-hmm. But I like the the law itself and watching the law- those lawyers and the people on my team craft arguments and do like basically just like do their job was really interesting. Um, and I I kind of I wanted to figure out how to make that fit because what because I liked the idea of going to law school, but I didn't know what a career would look like. And I was worried that I would just be stuck in a job that I didn't like mm-hmm. for the rest of my life mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because I was uh, chasing this like level of success that my parents have told me that is the only acceptable level, mm-hmm. um, which it isn't. And I know that, <laughs> but it's also just like, uh, like, like once you get told that, like growing up, you're, you're kind of scared if you don't have that. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think there mm-hmm. is still a little bit of that fear that still drives some of my decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, entertainment law really just fit with this idea that like, okay, I want to tell stories. I want to be involved in the process. Um, Mm-hmm. In high school and college, I I did I was I was really into theater in high school, and then having to do like pre med and all of that stuff, I wasn't as into it in college. But um, but towards the latter half of my time at Scripps, I got into um, some theater stuff. I wrote a short play, and it, I got to direct it and uh, and stuff like that at Pomona. Um, I took a couple of theater classes, stage managed some stuff. So I was like. I like every aspect of telling a story. Mm-hmm. What whatever whatever part of it I want I want to be a part of it. I like the people that that I work with. Um anyone who's passionate about what they do is just really like those kinds of people are really fun to be around and to uh to have a part in that process in some way where I can be creative but also have this like I had like almost like a safety net in a way. And it's mm-hmm. like, it's like a real job in like, like in, in quotations. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but like, it doesn't feel like it's something that I would hate doing. Cause I'll be around people who are doing things that, um, that I would want to do. Mm-hmm. And I, and that, and that's, and that's the way to, to kind of like make it in, creative fields is you kind of have to know people and Mm -hmm. so I was like well like okay if I go to law school and I become an entertainment lawyer and I work on production then I make friends with a bunch of producers and directors and (laughs) they like me for my work and then I'll be like hey I wrote a thing (laughs) what do you think and then they'll have to look at it (laughs) yeah exactly exactly um and and the nice part about a law degree is that it's so versatile Mm -hmm. so like for me, like, let, let's say, let's say I practice law for a couple of years and then, and then my, my scheme works out. Um, <laughs> the fact that I have a law degree kind of helps with like my legitimacy almost like it sucks. Mm-hmm. It's so elitist and, and yeah. like, and just, and like messed up because not everyone has the the resources right. to like fund that kind of education. Um, you can have all the drive in the world, but if you don't have the money to back it up, Mm-hmm. Um, then it's so much harder to get to where, where you are. And I feel mm-hmm. like, I feel like I have an insane amount of privilege just being able to be like, yeah, I have this plan and like, it's it, like, it'll, it'll, it'll be fine. Um, but yeah, so I, I saw it as a way to kind of combine both of my interests, mm-hmm. but yeah, so, so that's, that's where law kind of came in, into it. And then actually senior year when um lena waith came to scripts yes. to talk about about her experiences in entertainment um and then i like i i went to that talk and then i started i followed her a bit more on social media and then she started her own production company mm. and within that production company she has a mentorship program that oh, wow. focuses on helping marginalized voices and underrepresented communities in hollywood like find a space Mm -hmm. um that is where then like my like oh i can help people through Mm this Mm -hmm. um came in because it's like not only do i want to i want to create stories that impact people in in ways that that can help them but also uh i want to create spaces for other people 
that don't have that ability to like kind of like force their way into it. Like I have, I like, I am very privileged where I didn't have to worry about education costs growing up. Mm -hmm. Um, and because of that, I'm in a position where I can line myself up to do things in entertainment and like make those connections because I am going to, to law school and I'm part of this fellowship program that is structured to make sure that I have those connections so Mm -hmm. that I can work Mm -hmm. in the field that I want to work in um and seeing Lena Waithe go like not have those things but still get to where she is and is now making the space to bring other people up Mm -hmm. was super inspiring and I like I want not only my stories to affect people in positive ways but I want other people to have the chance to Mm -hmm. be able to give their stories that space in in like either like the literary canon or or the Mm -hmm. the film tv canon whatever it is like these spaces have been so like white male dominant for so Mm -hmm. long and that's changing finally but the right now the types of people who are able to access those spaces as people of color or um as like any sort of marginalized voice they there there's still there's still a gap there's like mm-hmm. a distinction like Mindy Kaling went to an Ivy League college mm-hmm. um like you have you have some really inspiring people but there are people whose stories are still not being told mm-hmm. and there's still that that inequality right. that comes into play and so then that became like another like the the process of find figuring out like okay yeah law school is what I want to do all of those things came into play with that. And so, and like that, that honestly happened very recently, like middle of 2020, Mm -hmm. um, where I was like, oh, okay, no, I think, I think this is what, what I want to do. And this, and I'm okay with this. Like I, I had figured out that law school was something that I was okay with Mm. after I got in. And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do this. (laughs) Um, after I'd got in and I'd accepted it when I had accepted it, I was still unsure. And then I had to think about it for a little while. And then I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm 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 okay with where I'm at, and I'm and now now I'm like yeah, this is where I'm supposed to be. But for a while, I was like, I don't know, maybe I should go back to med school. Like that was I had a moment at the beginning of 2020 where I was like, did I make a mistake? Because like, man, I hate working at this law firm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't hate the people. If anyone is listening from, from that law firm that I worked at over the over that that one year, um, y'all were great. I just I don't like litigation, you guys. Uh-huh. Um, but but yeah. Um, so so I had I had a moment, and that that is when when you leave when you leave pre med, and then you are considering going back to pre med. Mm. You you really have to be like, am I not getting enough sleep? Is this, is this something that I, should I just go to sleep? And the, and the answer is usually yes. Like if, if you <laughs> had decided, if you spent like three years being like, oh, maybe I don't want to go to med school. And then you decide, finally decide you don't want to go to med school. And then you're just tired and, and like mm-hmm. your life kind of sucks right now. And like, it's your first year out of, out of college and mm-hmm. you're kind of on your own and you're just like, man, this plan had a lot of structure. Should I go back to that? Mm-hmm. Don't don't do it. <laughs> you just need some sleep. <laughs> wow, that's good advice to consider. <laughs> um, it seems like your path has been really windy. Like you were really headstrong and going into med school and then you decided maybe this isn't for me and then now you're doing law. So I'm wondering when did this idea of creating this book like come up and then when did you really start pursuing it? Yeah. Um, so throughout all of this, all of that, all of that crazy shit that was going on (laughs) in my head, I was always writing, I was always doing something. Um, uh, and so this book, I got the idea for it. I think my first semester at Scripps, um, I was listening to a song by this band called the Fratellis and, uh, uh, they had just released a new album and there was a song on there called me and the devil. And I was like, Oh, this song slaps. Um, <laughs> no one said that yeah. in 2015, but, uh, but they, felt <laughs> it. they were thinking it. They felt it. Yeah. Um, the, the chorus, it goes, I'm going to sell my soul tonight. Um, and I was like, Oh, this is cool. What kind of a person would want to do that? Um, 
And then I was, I was just, I was, I just got really into that song. And one of my friends was like, it would make a really good, it would make a really good opening number for a musical. And then I was mm. like, oh yeah, you're right. Mm. Cause like it was, it, it, it's, it's a super cool song. Um, and so I was like, oh, I would love to see this musical. And then I realized that no one was going to write it because it's not, it's not like the Fratellis are really popular in Europe. But I was like, they're not like American Idiot, like Green Day, mm. where like everyone kind of knows them or like or like ABBA. Mm-hmm. So it's like I was not expecting a jukebox musical to happen from them anytime soon. And then I was like, oh, but I really want to know what the story is like. And then it mm. comes to a point where you're like, God damn it. The only person invested in this is me. Um, <laughs> And so I started thinking about, okay, well, like if I were to write this story, not saying that I would right now, but like if I were to write this story, what would it look like? And then it just turned into like I, um, the idea of a man so desperate enough to make a deal with the devil. I was like, okay, who, who has made deals with insidious people that don't work out? Um, and I was just thinking about uh, Greek mythology and then Orpheus and Eurydice came up. And I was like, oh, yeah, that was really interesting. That was a really interesting um, myth. And I also really liked, uh, I don't know if you guys saw The Metamorphoses when Pomona College put it on. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's a a gorgeous play. Um, There's a pool on stage. It's the only set piece. Mm -hmm. But it's it's a collection of Greek tragedies. And the main theme of the play is that water is like is like a is a central theme, and there's it symbolizes change and growth and mm-hmm. transformation. And in high school, we had also put on that play, and mm-hmm. I was in it. And the Orpheus myth was told twice: once through Orpheus Orpheus's perspective, and once through Eurydice's perspective. Mm-hmm. And I had never seen someone flip a greek myth like that mm-hmm. where now it's the, the person who's getting saved telling the story um and like orpheus is like all in his grief and when he turns around in the in the show when eurydice is telling the story she doesn't remember who he is so yeah. she doesn't feel that grief that he does um. and it was just it was just so so impactful for me and that that play and the story kind of wove into this song and that's Mm. kind of how the book happened Mm -hmm. but at 18 when I thought of the idea and really like explored it a little bit I got to that point and I was like oh I'm not mature enough to write this um because I I'd imagined my characters being in their mid-20s and I was like I don't know what adult mm. life is like. I'm a child. <laughs> I just, I don't I don't know what I what any of that would look like. And I felt like the themes were um were bigger than what I could do hmm. at that point at 18. So it was it was in my head. I wrote a couple of short sections of it throughout college. Um like I found my notebook from like my sophomore year of college where I had kind of been like maybe I should start mapping the story out Mm -hmm. um and I had I had names for characters that have different names now and like some things that have now turned into like plot twists were were like things that I had just laid out in the open before Mm -hmm. um and yeah so so that story grew a little bit with me through college and then I kind I started writing it towards the end of senior year I was like okay I'm I'm 22 I've you know I've I've done I've done some shit um I've gone through life a little bit not not that much but I've gone through life a little bit um I've lived on my own for a little bit I kind of I kind of know what I want to do with it a bit more Mm -hmm. um and I was I was at the point where I was like well I haven't had any new ideas like this come up in a while. So maybe I should, maybe I should tackle this. I'll figure this out. And so I really started writing it during my year off in between law school and college. Mm. And then with that, I really, really started writing it when the pandemic started. Because then I didn't have a full-time job and I was able to move back home with my parents. And I just had, I had more time and I had things to think, I was able to think about things in a different way. Um, 
and so so I finished the book uh in August or September um and I've been working on re- revising and and rewriting some stuff since then because up until December I I was still kind of like there's something missing and I don't mm. know what it is and I don't know I don't know exactly how to how to do it right but then December happened and I went through a couple of things in my personal life and was like oh, I know it I know exactly <laughs> what this book needs um there's nothing like like some something like really flipping your world upside down where you're like oh this is exactly what I was missing. Like the silver lining, I think in like any artist's life is like something unexpected happens and you're having to deal with it. And then your brain is just like, this, this is what I need. I know now I know exactly how, how to, how to make this story better. Um, which is, it's a fun way of going through life when something shitty and unexpected happens and you're like, yeah, this, this works. Okay. (laughs) Let's, let's roll with it. Um, so now I've, um, I've obviously, obviously law school started again. So I've been trying to find little bits and pieces of time to, uh, Mm -hmm. rewrite and revise and stuff and hopefully, hopefully find an agent who likes the story as much as I do and then see where it goes from there. Wow. That's awesome. So just to clarify, um, you do have to like write the whole story and have it completely done before sending it to a publishing mm-hmm. cast. Yeah. Um they uh, I guess it dep- it also kind of depends on like what kind of route you want to take with publishing cuz traditional publishing is like you kind of have to have a full manuscript done because it when you when you send out your your queries they usually ask for like either the first five pages or the first mm-hmm. five chapters and then if they like it enough they expect you to send the whole thing i see so so like if they if you send if you send someone a query and then like two months later they're like hey we like this send us the full thing and you don't have it done <laughs> they're not gonna take it exactly. um so because they want to they want to evaluate the whole product. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people are getting into self-publishing and it's a completely valid thing to do. I think traditional publishing is still very old school and they kind of look down on self-publishing. Um, but like if you have the ability and the time, like as much as I hate Amazon, um, it, they have made mm-hmm. it really easy yeah. for people to self-publish, yeah. which which is that's like I guess one good thing that's come out of it. Like really Amazon sucks and support independent bookstores, you guys. Um but uh yes, so to answer your question, yes, you need to have a full a full manuscript done before you send it out to people. You mentioned that um you had this idea sitting since like I guess 2015 when it started and you know you had a, a whole plan and then characters changed and now you're like revising so how do you know if your work is ever quote-unquote done and does it ever feel done and Mm -hmm. or how do you even know if it's ready to go on to that next stage Mm. i don't know (laughs) (laughs) i i think it's different for for everyone um for me i was getting told by editors and people with this book that they were like oh yeah it's really good like you have a solid manuscript and I was like I know I mean well like I don't know because one I don't think it's as good as it can be mm. and for me for me that's really hard to distinguish between being like oh the project is not there yet or like I'm being very hard on myself mm-hmm. and I don't know if I will if like what I am writing is matching up to what's in my head mm-hmm. because whatever you produce will never be as good as it is in your head. It's just mm. like it, it's it's just not going to happen. Um the goal is to try to get as close as you can. Mm-hmm. And for this book, I I knew there was something missing because the ending didn't feel as impactful to me mm. as I wanted it to. Mm. And part of me was like, well, I've been with this story for what am I? How old am I now? Um I don't know like it's it's been it's been like five six years at this point 
wait, right? No? 2015? Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Five. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, Five. I can yeah. do math. This is why I'm in law school. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I, I was like, I don't know if I've been with this story too long. And I just like, I've known the ending for so long that like, mm. I'm just like, yeah, whatever. This is how it ends. Um, or if I truly do feel like there, there is something missing. And for me, and this sounds this is going to sound kind of crazy, but like other writers might be able to relate to it. Some of my characters won't shut up. Um, they <laughs> like I have finished a version of the book and the one some of the characters are like, yes, my story has been told. I am satisfied. And then some other characters are like, you forgot to mention all of this shit. I am <laughs> not done with you yet. <laughs> And like, and if they were like side characters, like sometimes you have to kill your babies and just be like, you need like, like I want, I want to explore this with you. I really do. But it has no space in this book and you're not important enough for me to like dedicate more, more time and energy to it. Um, and other times, like if it's like a main character, like with, with here we stand right now, um, I'm like, oh God, okay. Yeah. I need to like, all of these mm. things were important. And I just, it, in the first draft, I didn't know how to, how to integrate it in a way that, that makes sense. But now I know everything that's happening in the story mm-hmm. and mm. now I can go back and, and fit that in. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes you don't even figure that out until you're, like, in your third draft, because that's where I'm at right now. I'm like, wow. I've revised it twice, and then December happened, and I was like, oh, okay, I know exactly what needs to happen now, and then I'll be done. But I think I think there there's a moment for me where, like, it's kind of like when you're painting or when you're doing your makeup, where it's like, oh, this is perfect, but what if I could just improve it a little bit more, <laughs> and then it gets worse? <laughs> I've yeah. kind of, I've kind of Winged started, <laughs> exactly. Um, I've kind of started identifying those moments where I've been like, oh, I could, I could do this. Mm. But then mm-hmm. it's like, is it necessary? Is there a purpose to it? Mm-hmm. And if the answer is no, then I'm like, okay, then I, then I shouldn't. And that, and that's kind of where I'm at. I think knowing when you're done comes with experience. Yeah. I feel like that's the same way with winged eyeliner. (laughs) (laughs) I just feel like that's one of your life lessons. Like earlier you were saying, like with school, like you could do so many classes and like excel in them, but you had to learn yourself just because you can doesn't mean that you necessarily should. And here you Mm -hmm. are applying it to your writing. So I feel like it's very like full circle. That's cool. Mm, I never thought about that. That's that's, that's (laughs) a theme in your life. (laughs) (laughs) So you touched on like, I guess coming to terms with your privilege and kind of, I guess speaking from me, I just feel like me applying to med school, I feel very guilty when I have moments of like self-doubt because Mm. I'm like, oh, my parents provide so much for me. Like I don't have it rough like so many other people. So I guess how, how have you been like working through kind of that um, those moments where like self-doubt comes in because of like that privilege that you have and you think like, oh, I shouldn't really feel this way because I know I have it like easier than my parents did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think for me, it's like, I have it so much easier than my parents did. And I have it so much easier than so many people mm-hmm. in this country, especially right now with the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like if I don't achieve the best results like not not just for me but just like in general I'm like if my if my debut novel isn't a bestseller if I'm not in the top of my class in law school Mm -hmm. um if I'm not doing all of these things and I have it so much easier than so many other people then am I really that good Mm -hmm. like like if I can't do this with all of this help and support then like am I am I as good as people say that I am or has this all just been, I'm good because of the circumstances that I'm like Mm. the, where I'm starting is steps above where people normally start. Mm. So I'm Mm. just good because of where I'm at right now, not because of any ability or talent. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's some, that's something that I'm still struggling with. So I don't really know right now. I think it's just like, 
I think it's really that that made it really hard to fail at mm. things. And I I think for me, the ways, especially this past year, because I was I was writing the book when all of the Black Lives Matter movements were happening mm. in June. Mm-hmm. And I had three weeks where I was like, I didn't write anything because I was like, I'm literally writing a story about hell and people falling in love and like the new york mafia this has nothing to do this is not gonna this is not impactful in any way it doesn't it doesn't give any sort of like like it's not it's not the hate you give it's not Mm -hmm. um it's not something Mm -hmm. that has like social commentary about Mm -hmm. like political upheaval or the state of our nation at this point so i was like kind of like why am i even writing this Mm -hmm. and it's just um I think I think it's really hard to get past that because you you kind of have to just tell yourself like you're doing this for you and you can acknowledge your privilege while also acknowledging the fact that you are working hard like just like just just because you are in a position that is at, you're at a better point than a lot of other people doesn't mean that what you have achieved wasn't through hard work it's mm-hmm. just you've also just been given these opportunities because of what you were given. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people who who have those opportunities given to them but then don't take it or, like, take it but don't take it seriously, mm-hmm. those things show in the work that they do. Mm-hmm. And so, like, if you – like, having an opportunity is one thing, but – you have to put in the work to and show up to actually make something of it. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that's been the most helpful for me is like yes, anything worth doing is going to be hard. And just because it's hard for you doesn't like it doesn't negate the fact that you've had a lot of help, mm-hmm. but it also that the fact that it's hard doesn't mean anything about you. It doesn't mean that you're not good enough to do it like it it doesn't mean that you were just lucky enough to be able to be in a position to do this because everything that you've worked on on yourself thus far has led you to this point as well like if if like I hadn't written that shitty book in middle school then maybe I wouldn't have like not like no knowing that I could write a book at some point really helped me drive this book forward mm-hmm. so I was like well I don't know if I have the time and it's like well like you did it like you've done it once um so you can do it again and I feel like I feel like it's just I'm rambling at this point um but um, I I think just being able to acknowledge and accept your privilege and the amount of the amount of impact that it's had to where you're at mm-hmm. while acknowledging that the work that you've put in to get from where your privilege stops to where you are now is still hard work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that fully no, answered your question. but So it seems like this book might have like some, I guess some darkness to it. And like the one that you wrote when you were in middle school also was pretty dark. So I was wondering because <laughs> as... A reader, like when I read books that are heavy or sad or just a different mood than what I'm feeling, by the time I'm done reading the book, I I like feel like the way that the book did. I'm like, oh my gosh, today's the worst day of my life, right? So as a writer, like, <laughs> do you ever get those feelings, like being really engrossed in the book? And then how are you able to still like live your life while also doing the job of writing it? Can I also yeah, add on um, that it seems hmm. like a lot of your your interest lies in like the fantasy realm, which I think is really mm-hmm. interesting because that's not really something that that genre is something that I naturally just gravitate towards. But mm-hmm. yeah, just like you know, because it you have like this this interest in fantasy novels. You know, your book is fantasy novels. Seems like you have like a history of fantasy novels as well. So yeah, just piling on to that question there. Okay. Um. So. I think I, so having done theater for a little while, I was able to sort of just treat it like 
like I'm playing a character in a way. Because mm. I never really thought about this in in that way. Because uh, I um I got the I, I got the idea for the book. I was like relatively happy. I was 18. I didn't know a lot about life. I was just like, yeah, I'm starting college. Like it was like one of the, it was the first few weeks of college. Mm. And I was like, I was like super excited. I still had like life in my eyes. And, um, and so, so I, yeah, I, I think, uh, the, the themes itself are just, they're things that I find interesting. I don't necessarily like, I guess I don't dwell on it too much, um, but like I, th- I think for me, writing is a safe way to explore a lot of those like dark things, um, mm-hmm. and also just if if I am experiencing something like that, something having to feel my feels, it's a it's a great way to kind of just do that in a safe place. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me. I think just because I've had experience like playing characters who are kind of messed up um, and also also just playing characters who are nothing like me at all um, mm-hmm. and then being able to be like, yes, I am now transitioning out of that. Um, never really had that that feeling that much. But for me, when I read, that's a different thing, because when I'm reading, I'm engrossed in someone else's world, whereas mm-hmm. with this book I'm the one creating it. Like I'm like God in this universe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I uh, like, it's really easy for me to kind of detach myself from mm. the things that are happening, which kind of now that I think about it, maybe that's why there are so many crappy things happening in the universe because God is just like, yeah, I made y'all. <laughs> what else do you want me to do? Um, but that's a side note. That was just, that was just, that's just something that I was like, oh, do I understand God a little bit more? Now? I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, definitely when I'm reading, I do feel, I do feel those things. Uh, like when I finished the Hunger Games and I was just like, like the ending is, is hopeful, but like mm-hmm. it was like, you still have to go through all of this trauma to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and I was like, oh God, I'm like feeling some shit. <laughs> um, yeah. Or like, well, I read, when I read The Fault in Our Stars in high school and I was just like, like the ending is also hopeful with that, but I was just like, "Oh my God, he died! <laughs> she loves him!" And, uh, like, uh, uh, like I, th- yeah, I, I, I do like books that I read and like movies I watch and things mm-hmm. and just like stories I consume stay with me a lot longer um, than things that I write on my own. Interesting. Thanks again, Raina, for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me, you guys. Do you have any any parting words that you want to say to our listeners or advice do what you want like i don't know i have no idea <laughs> i'm not qualified do what you to want, give question advice mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah do what you want go to therapy um mm-hmm. and and try to be happy i don't know i don't know <laughs> I, like i said i'm not qualified to give advice but um, well you did give that one just because you can doesn't mean you should, should. If you can't yeah you yeah could. there 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 you go yeah there there you go there, there you go ones. um yeah oh and uh if you don't like reading you haven't found the right book oh no. that is true yeah mm. thank you so much Raina, for coming on we really enjoyed hearing your story and all about your life and your upcoming book it's very exciting can you share with our listeners where people can find you on socials? And can you give more context as to when your book is on the shelves? Yeah. Um, so to answer your last question first, um, I don't know when my book will be on shelves yet. Um, but to stay updated on all things happening with, <laughs> with me, including law school and any future projects, some of which are coming soon and are probably very exciting. Mm. are uh so i am on instagram and twitter my handles for both of them are reina patel writes and it's my my name is spelled r-e-n-a and then patel is p-a-t-e-l and writes is just like how you write um <laughs> and i do have a website uh it's very bare bones right now um but it's reina-patel.com that's where you can find me and uh stick around for for cool things hopefully yeah. Nice. Definitely, definitely, you know, follow her. 
Um, sounds like there's a lot of exciting things coming. So we're all very excited. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And we'll link all of that information in the episode description. And when the book does come out, we'll definitely make sure to share it on our Instagram. So thank you everyone for listening. You can follow us at Adulthood Pending Podcast on Instagram and all of our other social medias. And if you're interested, you can send us an email to hello.adulthoodpendingpodcast at gmail.com. Join us every other Monday for new episodes. We're excited to share our stories and we're glad that you're with us on our adulthood journey for season two. Bye, Bye everyone. <laughs>